Romans chapter 13. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd encourage all who are present tonight. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them out. And I I thank you for the folks that filled the pulpit in my absence. And Lord, the faithfulness of the church to pray in my absence and to encourage us while we were in Israel. And you protected us and you blessed us and you blessed the governors and all who are present. And Lord, you're amazing. And we just, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're about to take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, and and before we turn there, when I share with you what I'm about to read, it's going to put 1 Timothy chapter 2 into great perspective for you, and you're going to understand it in such a way that you'll be able to apply it, and you need to apply it. Wednesday nights is a study for disciples, amen? And so this is something that we need to take hold of tonight, and it's of great importance. We're going to pick up in chapter 13. I know we've studied this on Sunday mornings, but I want to take a look at it again. Verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Okay? Authorities, meaning government. Everyone say amen. Amen. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, the government, those in charge, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. So we're talking about governing authorities, we're talking about rulers. And these rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. All right? Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a minister, he is God's minister. By the way, that's a that's an ordained position. A police officer is an ordained position of the ministry of God. Did you know that? God's minister, and this is what he does. He's an avenger to execute wrath on those who would practice evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honors. You remember when they tried to trip up Jesus in Luke 17, he said, give me a denarius, denarius, and he held it up and he says, whose image is on this? They said, Caesar's. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Do Christians pay taxes? He says, yeah, we pay taxes. You render unto Caesar what is this. I recognize government authority. Jesus said that. I recognize government. I've, I've ordained government authority. Now, the, the strength of that governing authority to do good is based on the will of the people to honor God. Good government comes from good people and good ideologies. Those who honor God blesses a nation whose God is the Lord. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is reproached to any people. A godless government, as I was watching Leonid Brezhnev's funeral, this is a man that ruled for 18 years in communist Russia. Prior to him, we had Stalin, uh, others, and billions. You know, Communism is responsible for the death of, of over a billion people. All right? Uh, a nation whose God is the Lord, this is where you experience freedom and liberties. So in this picture, God recognizes government authority. Amen? Now, we've studied this before, but it's important to do it again before we undertake 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Stop. Look at me. We're subject to the governing authorities. We. Well, no, not we. Uh Uh-uh. No, we're a different government. We're a government that was established with this idea of wanting to honor God. How do we honor God? Well, we've all been created in the image of God. We're all accountable to God. We recognize the supreme authority that we're accountable to. 
We don't abrogate natural law, God's law. When we do, that government is subject to rebellion. And so, let me read to you. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, and this is a biblical perspective out of Romans 13, we're going to see it again in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving, listen, deriving, obtaining, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. These are godly people consenting that those folks can have authority, but it's going to be granted to them. It's on loan. Don't screw it up or you're going to face the wrath of those who are in authority. They are ministers of God to execute wrath on those who would practice evil. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, so we are the authority. We, the people. Do you understand that? I'll explain it in a minute. Actually, another government document will. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their what? Safety, peacefulness, and happiness, tranquility. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light or transient causes, and according to all experience, hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. So when we turn to the Palestinians and I say to Lana, who runs them? It's, it's the Palestinian Authority. They're all rich. They're getting rich on the West. And we went to Ramallah and we saw these mansions and they had a small place where refugees are and there's maybe a hundred families and they use them for photo ops for all the New York Times and all the liberal publications. And everyone in the Palestinian Authority is making a fortune. And you got to see these mansions and you'll see it when we go. And the idea is you are allowing them to usurp and and to abuse you. And it is your responsibility, it is your duty to throw off that despotism. Why would six million Jews be burned and gassed? 1,500 Jews to every soldier in Auschwitz. And they did nothing. What's the term? Arbit macht frei. Over the, the gate of Auschwitz. Arbit macht frei. Work will set you free. They lied to them and they believed it. And they went along. 
And they saw the incinerators, and they saw the ashes, and they saw the smoke, and they relinquished their weapons, and they relinquished their authority, and they gave it up, and they died. One man and God constitutes a majority. And these founding principles were the idea that government is for the protection and the safety of mankind. Finally, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, peace, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. And then it says immediately after that, in the preamble of the constitution, the very first statement is, all legislative powers herein granted on loan shall be vested in Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and a House of Representatives. Why do I share all that? Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, his millennial. Nero is ruling Rome. He's burning Christians. The boot of Rome is on the neck of every godly man and woman. Timothy is leading a church in Ephesus. He's under the pile. He's young. And he's called to stand in opposition to this government. How? What do you do? He says, Timothy, therefore, verse 1. Excuse me. Yes, verse 1. Therefore, I exert. <laughs> exert. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. By the way, the word men mean, doesn't mean mankind, anthropos. It means men, men. He's going to go to verse 9 later and talk about women. And he's going to deal with gender roles. But he's saying, listen, I want the women and the children in your family, Timothy, and in the families in the church you oversee, I want the men and the I want the women and the children to witness the men and the grandpas and the fathers praying. Why is it so hard to get people to come and pray? Especially men. You call a prayer meeting and it's women. I don't despise that. I just wonder where the men are. Here at this church, we have a lot of men that pray. I'm blessed by it. He says, I want your church to see your men praying. Why? I've been burdened today. I've got a deadline. And it's a looming deadline that is so overwhelming, there's no way that I can do anything within my powers to resolve it. I am completely at the mercy of the Lord. I... I uh, it's, draw, it's, it's put me to my knees. I was up at 3.30 this morning. I was up at 4 o'clock yesterday morning. I've been praying. I'm laboring. And, and going through prayer and just crying out to the Lord and, and laying this out. This is a book that got me through the campaign. It's called 31 Days to Wisdom and Praise. It's the Psalms and the Proverbs in 31-day segments. I opened up today to day 20 after I labored in prayer. And I just said, God... I really need a word from you. I, I, I just want to know that you're hearing me. Please, God, 
Uh, you, you know my situation. You know what I'm up against. You know the deadlines. And uh, Lord, I got less than three weeks, and I, I need to know, are you listening? And I open up to today's reading, Psalm 20. This is a prayer, and this is God's response to me. When you pray, God responds by his word. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. And may the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. I was touched by that. It was one of those things where the Lord just really softened and ministered to my heart. He just said, Rob, I got this. Now, just like Peter in the storm on the, on the Sea of Galilee, and he began to walk on water, but he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink, right? He even said, Lord, beckon me to come to you. It was his heart's desire to be with the Lord. He, he wanted to know the power of God. He, he, he steps out in faith. He's, he's freaking out. And there are times where I'm at total peace. I read that, and five minutes later, I'm sinking. Anybody else go through that? And what does it do? Put you back on your knees, doesn't it? It's a good place to be. Why aren't we there all the time? We go through the course of our day, and the Lord was just showing me, Rob, why is it now? I mean, I'm happy you're here, but why is it only when you're in distress? And so when the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, the idea for supplications is to make your need known to the Lord. You know, he's just saying, Timothy, let your need be known to the Lord. Now, that being said, what's the first thing we typically do when we have a need? Huh? Somebody say wine. Worry. Worry. Worry's good. Worry, wine, both W's. Huh? Well, good. You're one of 40. What else do we do? When we have a need, what do we do? Do we really pray first? What do we do? You try to figure it out. Financial need. You call somebody who has money. Hello? Anyone? You don't know anyone with money. You've already burned those bridges. Yeah. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. When you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words." Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. He says, let your request be made known to God. We always go to man first, don't we? Hello? Am I the only one in the room? We always go to man first, don't we? Lord says, come to me. Paul says to Timothy, 
look, the only way I can stay up in this entire thing is I pour out my heart to God. Tell him what you need. Go to him before you go to anyone else. Matter of fact, just go to him and your faith will increase. I I have the ability, because I haven't burned all the bridges, I have the ability to call and get something resolved if I have to. I can Jacob my way out of this. Jacob is a, yeah, a conniver. Wrestles with God. Heel catcher. And the Lord says, stand still and I'll show you my strength. And so supplication is to make a request, to make your need known to God. And so when he says supplications, that's the idea in the Greek. And then he says prayers. And and by the way, this word for prayers is only used uh, a few times in Scripture in the sense that it means it's only to God. You don't pray to idols. Only it's, it's a word in the Greek that means to worship. Prayer is an act of worship. Prayer is declaring, God, you're it. I have no one but you, and I never have. I fool myself in thinking on the horizontal my answer lies But in reality, all I have ever needed and and everything that I could possibly obtain is vertical. But we always operate in in the visual, on the horizontal, right? If it's not there and we can't see it, faith is believing in things not seen. And, And so he says, this is an act of worship and it's only intended for God. So let him know, and this prayer is pour out your heart to him. Uh, Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Start your prayer with recognizing who he is and who you're talking to. He is your Father, but he's also God in heaven. It's, it's a position of, of worship. And, and, and then he just says, then pour out this idea of supplication. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he goes through this picture of, of how we pour out our heart before the Lord. And then the other word that he uses in this is he says, supplication, prayers, and intercession. And this is, um, this is only used twice. This word intercession is only used twice in the Scripture. We're going to see it in First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. And the word intercession means to make company with, to make company with, or to be in company. And, and in context with this verse... It says, uh, make intercession to be in company with, and I'll explain it in a moment because the next word after it is he says, giving uh, and giving of thanks, and giving of thanks. Um, that's the only part of prayer that's going to continue in heaven is gratitude. We won't have any need. We'll just tell him thank you eternally. And, 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 Jesus marveled at the ingratitude of man. Remember, he healed 10 lepers. How many came back to say thank you? One. He said, where are the other nine? You know, when David saved the citizens of Keilah at great risk to himself, he then heard that Saul was coming to get him, and he cried out to the Lord, and he asked the Lord two things. He says, God, is Saul coming to get me, and will the citizens of Keilah betray me? And God said, yes, Saul's coming after you. Well, David asked two questions and only got one answer. So he asked him again. He said, Lord, thank you for the answer in regards to Saul, but are the people of Keilah going to betray me? And it was almost like God didn't want to answer because he knew it would break David's heart because it broke his. 
He said, yeah, they're going to betray you. That's the hardest thing in life. It's okay. Tell them you'll talk to them later. (laughs) Or talk to them now. (laughs) He says, he says, yes, they're going to betray you. And, and, and David, it, the scripture says he just saddled up his horse and rode out of town. He wasn't bitter. He just saved their lives. And the first chance they had to repay him for the kindness that he showed them at great expense to himself and his, his men putting their lives on the line, the very first chance they had to repay him, they turned on him. That's the ingratitude of man. And God says, give thanks. I want to share briefly, and then we'll get into the final portion of what we're studying. Uh, I hope I have it here. Did I put it out? Yeah. Wait, did I? Maybe I didn't. Uh, I guess I didn't list it. Tell me if you're bored yet. I had a list of the Bible says in, in Thessalonians 5.18, says, Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, and I, I like to say you give thanks in all things, but not for all things. But it's kind of cool as that is. The Scripture does say give thanks for all things in other areas of Scripture. So the man today that I went to visit riddled with cancer... Where do you find the good in that? You got to dig deep. You know, there's something to be said when you got an expiration date on you that you can see. It puts everything into perspective, just like the man at Starbucks, yeah? Ministers to people around you. You can be a minister in the final days of your life just by facing death with a noble cause, a noble heart, faithful heart. There's good in it. You've got to look for it. You've got to hold fast. Paul would give thanks and praise the Lord in prison after they had sustained awful beatings, he and Silas. They were praising the Lord and worshiping him through swollen faces. And when a little thing doesn't go our way, we're whining, aren't we? And, and this idea is to give thanks. And as he lays this out, he says, for all men... So I want you to pray for men, and I want men to pray. He's going to point that out in a little bit as he calls us to lift up holy hands. But then he goes into what we pray for. This is how you pray, and this is what you pray for, for kings, for kings. I want to stop there because the word intercession means, as I said before, it means to be in company with the Lord, to agree with the Lord in regard to the nation. Are you paying attention? So the first thing we pray for is kings. This is for all men, not just the ones you like. Speaking of the president. I knew you were going to go there. How many people pray for President Obama every day? Don't raise your hand. Sorry, I didn't say it quick enough. I said this at a men's conference, a men's breakfast. And I and I, I turned to him and I said, this is a commandment. I exhort. And I said, okay, 
We have folks from this city and men from this city and men from this city. Let me start with this city. Could you please name a council member from your city? Same responses in the room. Went to the next city. Can anyone name a council member or the mayor of your city? One person got it for their city because they knew them, and another person got it for our city. A couple of folks got it for our city because they know me. How can you pray for someone you don't even know? Obviously, you're not praying for them. We have a list of all the officials. I'm hoping the staff is starting to pray. That's on my prayer list. We're commanded. We're exhorted to pray. You don't like the way things are right now? Are you praying? You know, Spurgeon said, I would would rather have one man who's faithful in prayer than 10,000 men who can preach. I, I, I just don't think we've grasped what God's called us to in relation to prayer. And when he says, for kings and all who are in authority, why? I mean, we just read our founding documents to secure the tranquility and the peace, right? Well, let's see what the scripture says and where our founding fathers got this idea. We pray for kings and all who are authority that we would what? Lead quiet, tranquil, and peaceable lives in all godliness and reverence. How do you get a government that allows you to do that? By acting on your convictions. Praying people out and praying people in. Praying for courage to step forward. When the Berlin Wall came down, we were thrilled about Reagan, and we've got a piece of the wall over there, but we forget about the the church that over 10,000 people gathered to pray, and they were doing it for well over 15 months at a threat by all the, the, the East German police, and their families were brutalized. We look at Pope John Paul, and when Poland fell... And the the communist regime fell. How did that start? People praying in a city that was designed to keep God out. They continued to pray. They built a church. They stood in opposition. Why? Because they were bold. They, They gained faith and strength to stand against opposition. How did David stand against Goliath? He had communed with the Lord. He, he, he called upon the three names of God. The Lord of hosts. He called him Jehovah. He said, the living God. This is a man acquainted with with a relationship daily, praying. You read the Psalms. This is David's prayers. That's how you stand in opposition. That's how we took on the greatest army on the face of the earth that had just beat the second greatest army on the face of the earth with a a, a rabble-rousing group of 13 colonies that had nothing, and we stood against England. And we did that by prayer. It all started in the churches. It was a local move that was unified throughout the colonies. And it started in churches. Anyone ever heard of Jonas Clark? He was a minister. You you heard the shot fired around the world or heard around the world, fired at Lexington and Concord? That was his congregation. They had prepared for this. They had mustered. They had spent time in prayer and interceding. And they finally said, enough is enough. Why did the Civil War start? 
It got to a place where finally when the Supreme Court and Andrew Jackson had put in John C. Calhoun and it abolished what the founding fathers had done to to abolish slavery through a series of time, they stepped in and, and, and stacked the Supreme Court to impose continual slavery on the United States. And finally, people just said, enough is enough. This government's out of control. And we had a civil war. But prior to the civil war... 1857, Jeremiah Lanfear, second floor of the Dutch Reformed Church, a million converts in a nation of 33 million in less than eight months. I want to talk about revival. You know how that began? Prayer service. How? Oh, well, supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, people praying. We're hoping that there's going to be a solution coming in an Air Force One, and God is saying, this is how you begin. You align by intercession with my company, my will for this nation, and I will guide you and I will provide for you. I will instruct you and strengthen you in what you should do and how you should do it. And he says, the purpose of this for kings and all who are in authority, God, either change them or remove them. Change them or remove them. Cause them to repent. Listen, it's not a Democrat or Republican or an independent thing. It's not a Tea Party thing. It's not a, a you know, peace and freedom thing. It, it's not a socialist thing. Abortion has been abortion without parties since mankind. Molech, they used to put children on the burning hands of Molech to burn them for the sake of, of wealth. There's been adultery. There's been fornication. There's been pornography. It's all, it's mankind. We're filthy. How do we protect people by peaceable and godly governments where we can seek the Lord in godliness and reverence, that we would live quiet and peaceable lives? How do we get that? We have got to spend time in supplications, prayer, and intercessions and giving thanks. Prayer is worship to God. Giving thanks is thanking Him in all things through the trials. And we're crying out to Him and we're interceding. We're aligning with what He wants for the government as we pray for kings and all those in positions of authority. And the purpose of it is so that we would we would live quiet and peaceable lives. Tranquility as listed in our founding documents. Tranquility. Godliness and reverence. And then he says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. God likes government like that. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 85 cents of every dollar in evangelism comes from the United States of America. There are now more missionaries coming out of China than out of the United States. Nobody does mission work, for the most part, in the United States of America. And they're doing it under an oppressive regime. They see the importance of it. And what is the purpose? Because it's acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's good. He desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And by the way, for those of you who are hyper-Calvinists, that, that, that believe that, you know, Tulip, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, preservation of the saints, that, that God, that Jesus' death on the cross uh, was only for the elect. I'm sorry. John 3.16 doesn't, I just don't see it. Uh, I don't see it in this passage of Scripture. He wants all men to be saved. He wants all. The word all in the Greek means all. If someone is, is, is destined, predestined to damnation, it's like having your hands tied on a post and, and watching a man drowned. 
and they blame you for it. There's nothing I could do. Predestined unto damnation. How, how can... And, and, and the idea is he wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants us to come to a knowledge of the truth. How will they know the truth unless someone tells them? And how will they tell them in an oppressive government that doesn't allow you, and now we have political correctness, and you're not allowed to have the Ten Commandments, and you can't pray in schools, and you're not allowed to talk about the Bible, and the story of the woman who comes and sees a group of boys with their heads bowed, and, and they're all in a corner, and she comes over and she says, what are you boys doing, praying? No, we're playing craps. Oh, good, I, I, I thought you were praying. That's not allowed. We're at a place where anything religious is outlawed. Well, what are you going to do about it? We're leaving a nation to our children where they don't have the ability to pursue the Lord and godliness and reverence for peaceable lives, quiet and peaceable lives, tranquility. We've been given a mandate. We have this from the Lord that it is our duty. It's our duty. And this is good and pleasing in the sight of God. For He wants all men to be saved. We are called for this purpose. Government is established for the well-being and the welfare of man. And the greatest thing for man is the, is, is the promulgation of the gospel. And this nation was founded for the furtherance of the Christian gospel. Read the, the, read, read the compact. Uh, Mayflower Compact. That was the purpose when they settled this land. For the furtherance of the gospel. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So... You don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor, you don't need a friend, you don't need Mary. You, you can go right to Jesus. I spent time with him today. I didn't have anyone else in the room. We had a really cool time. And he actually spoke to me, as you can see. One mediator. Nothing hinders you from, from pouring out your supplications, your prayers, your intercessions, and telling him thank you. Nothing. Why don't we do it? We're, we're so busy. It's like the guy who, who gets hired on to chop trees, and the first day he blows everyone away by his production. And the, and the next day he has a rapid decline in his production, and then the following day it's even more of a decline. And the guy comes up to him and says, hey, we're going to have to let you go. You're just not cutting as many trees. He goes, wait a minute, I, am, I, I haven't stopped working. I'm working as hard. I, I, I don't even take my coffee breaks. I've been working. He goes, is your axe sharpened? He goes, I don't have time to sharpen my axe. I'm taking down trees. Prayer is the sharpening of your axe. We're so into method, we're so into our effort that we don't cry out to God for His direction. We don't, we don't intercede to find out His direction and what He wants from us. We're so busy doing every program we can think of. And we lack in prayer. We lack in prayer. How often do we intercede for our family? How often do we intercede for our church? How often do we intercede for kings and those in positions of authority? Are we burdened enough to pray? And, and this is the picture. We go straight to the Lord. There's one mediator. He says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Timothy, I got to tell you something. This is what it's all about. And this is why you do that. And this is why you strive for these things because it's all about Jesus. And the only way the world's going to see Jesus is when we're empowered by him. And that only comes when we're pouring out supplications and saying, God, I, I need you to help me here. And these are prayers. I'm worshiping you and it's intercession. I want to be aligned with your will for the government and kings and all in authority. And God, thank you. God, thank you. And he pours out his spirit. And then he concludes, and I'm going to leave it with these last three verses. We've got eight minutes. He says, I desire, therefore, that men... that that the men pray 
everywhere. Don't raise your hand. Don't say a word. Don't even mumble. Okay? Really, truthfully, in your own heart, I want you to examine it. How often do you pray? Is it really important to you? He says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. And by the way, the the word men is not mankind. Men. I was so burdened by this today. I want my children to wake up and see me with a devotion time and praying. I don't want to do it in the privacy of my office. I I want to be up before they're up. I want them to see how important it is. I want, them, I want their day covered before they wake up. I want to spend time interceding on their behalf. I want to, I want to intercede for those in authority, for kings. I want to pray for, for my fellow council members. I want, I want to pray for the school board members. I want to pray. I want to pray. And you know what? You only get up early when you go to bed early. You only get those things done when you purpose to get them done. And we're so busy being distracted and we think we're smart. We're not. We just access Siri or Google and we think we've got the answers. We don't. We have more information we've ever had and we're we're dumber than we've ever been. And just just to stop, put down. I wake up and the first thing I reach for is my phone. Does that drive anyone else insane? I'm so sick of it. I, I, I'm coming to a place where I'm going to get a flip phone. I'm going to turn my phone off when I come into the house. And, and the message is going to say, if this is an emergency, you may call my flip phone. And if I answer and it's not an emergency, you're blocked forever. Forever. And, and I'm not reaching for that thing. I don't want a stupid, you know, bejeweled game. I don't want solitaire. I don't want any of it. It used to be, it wasn't hard to find time to be alone with the Lord, but everything distracts you from spending time with him because we're, we're in this web, this net. And all it does is distract us. And we can watch any television show anytime we want, and the TV's always running, and music is always blaring, and the phone is always beeping, and you sit in a room with people, and all they have are their smartphones, and we're all stupid. That's my feeling lately. He says, and I want you to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Don't be angry and don't doubt the Lord. A man who doubts God is like, you know, uh, cast about on, on, on white caps on a sea. He says, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety, moderation, not braided hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. I'm not going to go into that. We're going to do it next week because I know that there's going to be controversies. We cover that passage and uh, let's just not take it on tonight. Amen. But uh, the passage has a pretty cool answer to it as we're going to take a look at it next week. But I, I just want to leave you with this last thought. Do you think, and don't answer out loud, don't nod, no, no movement. Just a quick question for you. Do you think you could pray a little bit more? Do you think you'd find some time to do that? Because I have news for you. It's good and pleasing to the Lord. And men, your kids and your grandkids, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, your sons, your daughters, 
your wife. They need to see that. Because when we get into this picture of submission, it's really easy to submit to a godly man. It really is. Because you know that by intercession, they're aligned and they're leading and you're good with that. Amen? Three minutes to spare. Any questions tonight?